Hello and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. We're a bi-monthly podcast. My name is Pat Royce. You can also find us on Twitter at LCS Podcast. We're on TikTok at Lie, Cheat, Steal Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please leave a, a five-star rating and a review wherever you're listening to this. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon, where we release two more episodes a month, every month. That's at patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Kath, how you doing? Hi, Pat. Um, I'm doing all right. I uh, we, we talked about this on our bonus episode, which you can find on our Patreon, patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, but we're not on video tonight because my back is hurting and um, I'm... Recording from bed, just a classic, <laughs> classic bedridden podcast recording. Uh, the way all podcasts want to record. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all we're all shut-ins, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, everybody wants to be laying down. You know, like, like, if you can name an <laughs> just activity. in general, humanity. Yeah. it's one of our favorite things. <laughs> Humanity's motto is just like, oh, I need to lay down. You know, like, oh, a, brother. Yeah, yeah that's a thing. Yeah. How I, are you, Pat? I'm good. I uh, kind of been hanging out today. I did not have work today, so I just been chilling. Nice. Um, you talk about just being a shut in. Yeah, I've been like, it was like last week. I had a couple shows that I went out for, and I think I went out after. I went out after one of them. But aside from that, I've been in a, uh, an apartment dweller. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty hardcore for the last week, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like it. So. I'm a. I've been in like a weird headspace this week. I, I didn't talk about this on the last one, but uh. I'm doing. Do you know what the artist way is? I do not. It's a. It's this like creativity uh, sort of course that it's a book and it, you do like these exercises for twelve weeks and it's supposed to like help you kind of re- get in touch with your creativity and uh, help you kind of in your artistic pursuits. And I'm doing it with some friends of mine and it's been fun so far. But this week, week four, uh, we're not supposed to engage with like any media so like no reading no uh tv no movies no social media like none of that stuff uh so i've mostly been sticking to it apart from obviously i had to research and prepare an episode today and like some other kind of work related things but uh yeah i feel real crazy (laughs) (laughs) how is that like like so like unplugging that i've been off twitter but like it's coming up. I think it's over a month now, and I, I honestly yeah. love it. But I mean, I'm also like I'm on TikTok. I read the news every day, so I'm not totally abstaining. But how how is that? Have you noticed like uh, any impact or uh, on your creativity or otherwise? I you know the main thing hasn't been with creativity. It's been realizing that like I need to be way more social because I am definitely like when I get the urge to be social, I'm just like looking at Twitter as opposed to like talking to my yeah. friends. You know. <laughs> And uh, so that's been like a big like, oh, shit, I actually need to like keep in touch with people in a real way yeah. and not just tweet bullshit or fave their tweets or whatever. Yeah. Um, Some of the least, yeah. the least creative times in my in my career have been times where like um, even when I was like doing the road, I was like I was kind of removed from reality. I was just out, you know, out the road. I wasn't really interacting with people in the same way that you do when you have a job and shit. And mm-hmm. like it really does. You, you kind of suffer like, you know, I don't think you have like. The, uh, the strides you're going to make in your act or whatever it is that you think you're going to have. Um, but yeah, no, most notably was the, feel fir- that way. the first year I moved to Austin, I was like, I was like, man, I'm just going to, I had some money stacked up. I was like, I'm just going to you know, get down here and get started in comedy. And all I did was just party hard as fuck for a year and pay for taxi cabs to open mics. <laughs> and like, yeah. I look back, I didn't, I didn't come up with any, any new material. I had like, I had to run out of money get a job and then I started writing again and it's something about just being withdrawn like that I've noticed uh can be detrimental as far as like just not having any social interaction on your creativity yeah you need to like you need to like fill the tank uh yeah. before you can kind of let stuff out like that and uh I mean that's what this exercise is sort of about is like trying to recover like what you actually think and what you actually yeah. feel without without filling the tank without like putting in any any input um, but I think you're right. I think it's because it's like we do a lot of sort of low level interactions that don't actually have a lot of quality or depth to them. And then that's like not productive, you know, like yeah. I can't get inspired just like scrolling on Twitter. That just makes me mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you notice coming out of quarantine that your social skills like took a dip? I, oh, totally. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I kept that to myself just like 
like I had like restrained my like talking, my over talking that I have a, a tendency to do, and mm-hmm. I had like gotten better at that. I remember like the first couple conversations. I had people after quarantine. I was just like in my head, like, "Why are you still talking? You've been talking for five minutes. All right, just be quiet. Yeah. Shut up and just be quiet and let them talk." And then it'd be all quiet and awkward. Like every good social behavior, I unlearned. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Um, but I think I have a segue for this episode. Okay. Um, so I'm reading the Artist's Way, which is sort of like a, a creative self-help book um, for for artists. If you've ever heard of people doing the morning pages, that's from the Artist's Way. Um, it's a whole thing, yeah. but it's a very popular self-help book from the seventies. Today, we're going to be talking about, uh, the author of one of the original American self-help books published in 1937 called think and grow rich. Have you ever heard of this? I think I've, I've heard of the title. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're going to be talking about the author of that book today. Whose name is Napoleon Hill. Who's had, he had quite a life, uh, most of my information uh, that we're going to talk about comes from a Gizmodo article. Um, this uh, this article is it's very detailed. There's a ton of stuff that we don't have time to go over. So if you're interested, definitely read it. It's called The Untold Story of Napoleon Hill, The Greatest Self-Help Scammer of All Time by Matt Novak. It was published in 2016. So, uh, yeah. So Think and Grow Rich. Um, it was super popular when it came out. It sold over 15 million copies so far. Um, it's still popular. The basically the idea is is the same as like the secret. Like the secret yeah. is arguably just kind of a ripoff of Think and Grow Rich. Um, you know, it's the idea of like the power of positive thought. Like, yeah. you know, if you if you think the right thoughts and you have the right energy, you will. Um, be able to manifest things in your life so that's that's what is it so is this a book that's still popular among people who like will swear up and down that like art of war is like about business dealings and it's like no it's about a chinese guy telling you how to win a battle like this like, like, <laughs> <clears throat> i mean yeah in the sense that this is still popular and people will swear by it but this was this was written specifically as a self-help book unlike okay. the art of war okay which was not written for for business guys to yeah. <laughs> to take from I was just like I think of a bunch of tech bros like sit there and be like now see when he talks about supply lines what he means is like positive middle <laughs> but, uh, I think it's one of the, well, these things are so particularly like easy to scam people because there is something to be said about your mindset like whether you know the way you think mm-hmm. and the way you you view things and the way you like you know filter the world through your eyes there is something to be said for taking like and thinking positive and you know being like results oriented or you know uh, solution oriented as opposed to just worrying about the problem and i think it's like that grain of truth or like that grain of legitimacy that these things cling on to and then just spiral yeah. into something where it's like actually it's a magic power yeah i mean it surely is like it is a more pleasurable way to live to be focusing on the positive yeah. you know like and and that can pay dividends in itself like you will be you will be more motivated to action you will you know like have kind of more more vigor for things when you're when you feel positively about them like there is some you know evidence of this but yeah it's not it's not magic it's not it doesn't just like magically change things yeah. if you think of a pile of money there is no correlation between you thinking that and you having that. Yeah, yeah. As, but, a, as a guy who's thought about a pile of money a couple times, let me tell you, it does not <laughs> appear simply from thinking about it. Also, so this guy, um, his sort of philosophy is part of this thing called the New Thought Movement, which um, was popular like kind of around the late 19th, early 20th century. Uh, it was sort of like a kind of like a Great Awakening spin-off uh where it was it was particularly popular in America um and there were like a bunch of these sort of quasi religious but non-denominational um ideas about kind of the power of thought um so like uh the, this is like around the time where there's a lot of like um sort of quasi magical things going on in the US like um the guy who founded the New Thought Movement was this guy, Phineas Quimby, who was a mesmerist. Which okay, is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, like, things that come out of this time period are, like, animal magnetism, homeopathy, like, uh, spiritualists. Like, all that stuff is kind of tied up in this New Thought Movement, where it's basically, like, 
this combination of like religion, humanism, and like mysticism all together, and that's what this guy is drawing. Yeah, and this this came out in nineteen thirty seven. This is nineteen thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can see that. It's, it's that time where like uh, you know um, seances were real big. And, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 period. And also American like nineteen thirty seven. Like this is people trying to get out of the depression. Yeah. So. They want, you know, the the idea that you can think of a pile of money and then have it is yeah. very attractive. So let me get this straight. <laughs> Some shyster took advantage of, like, pressing economic times to go ahead and prey upon people's insecurities and dupe you. Shocking, right? Yeah, I mean, well, good thing we learned our lesson. <laughs> yeah, well, funnily enough, um, one of the people who was uh, pretty directly influenced by the Think and Grow Rich uh, book and and this guy Napoleon Hill's um, sort of philosophies is uh, Donald Trump's former pastor, Vincent Peale, who uh, wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which uh, is yes. heavily, heavily borrowed from Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to start at the beginning because this guy, th- writing Think and Grow Rich was actually one of the only honest things he ever did. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, his people liked his book. You can't really take that away from him. Um but he had a long history of scammy shit before then, and uh, I'm going to tell you all about it. Hell yeah. So uh, let's dive in here. Um, so this this guy, Napoleon Hill, uh, he was born Oliver Napoleon Hill in 1883 uh, in uh, Appalachian, Virginia, uh, rural poverty. Um, his dad was an, quote, unlicensed, unlicensed dentist and occasional moonshiner. But you have to imagine those two trades go together. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, people are going to need some pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the... uh, yeah, unlicensed dentist and occasional moonshiner. It just, it, that's equal. That, put those together, that's a fun guy. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun dude. He'll get you good and liquored up before he pulls your teeth out, which yeah. is important. I, that, um, nicer than any dentist I've ever had. <laughs> So uh, Napoleon's mom died when he was young, but his father remarried and his stepmom was very encouraging of him uh, in his education. Uh, She got him a typewriter uh, when he was a teenager and he started writing a small weekly newsletter whose stories were sometimes picked up by small newspapers in his native Virginia. So this was a guy who could spin a yarn. I think that's important. He is he's a good talker. He's a good writer. He's a good communicator. Um, So he. I'm not going to go into detail about all of his marriages, but he had a bunch and they were like very shady, including his first one, which was at 15, um, where, uh, he, they, the woman he married said that he got her pregnant and they got married. And then he, she was like, just kidding. He's not the father. And they got it annulled. So <laughs> no idea what happened there. Don't know who convinced who of what, but yeah. very strange. See, what he, did, he just, he just thought positively. He was like, she is not pregnant. Right. She is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going yeah. to change the paternity of this. Yeah. Baby yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not my kid. It's not my kid. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, he graduated high school at 17 and he went to business school in Virginia. Um, and then he went to work for this guy, Rufus Ayers, who was a, like a pretty prominent businessman in Virginia. And Ayers said he was impressed with Hill, uh, who he, he was most striking for how like legit he looked. Like that was a big thing because he was yeah. really young, right? But he uh, was always like dressed to the nines, uh, super immaculately tailored and pressed suits. Uh, he always wore a bow tie. He had his little handkerchief. He was like a little dandy. Every picture know? I've seen of this guy, yeah, he's he's a, that's a sharp looking dude. Yeah, but yeah I, yeah. I can see his mentor being like, you know, what impressed me most about this kid was how full of shit he was. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he's smart about appearances, you know, because this yeah. guy ended up promoting him and. Uh, Eventually, uh, he he does leave the job that he had for this guy, um, and he uh, ends up in Alabama. So this guy, as I said, this guy is still sort of a popular figure. There is a Napoleon Hill Society, which we'll talk about later, but they've put out like official biographies of this guy uh, that are very different from what historical sources tell us. <laughs> his buying right into um, his shit. Yeah, so... Uh, the, his official biography kind of skips over the five years between 1903 and 1908. Um, they entirely leave out another marriage that happens. <laughs> well, when you get to a certain number, like at that <laughs> point, what do you do? 
He all told he ends up married five times. And I think divorced five times. So five pretty for cool. five. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's batting a thousand when it comes to just <laughs> ruining marriages. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he gets married, he has a kid, then he moves to Alabama to work in the lumber business, and his wife and daughter stay in Virginia with her father. So this wife I think this is the wife who's from a wealthy family, which ends up helping him quite a bit in his later sort of schemes. Always does. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh no, wait. I'm sorry. The wife. This the wife after this. Which one? I, this wife. It kind, um, of, it kind of a sweet setup back then. It's like you get married and you were expected to go somewhere else and make your money. So it was like yeah. you would just get married and be like, all right, let me just go. <laughs> let me just shake the scene for a few years. Get out and do my thing in some coal mining town. All my wife stays back where I'm from. <laughs> it's not a not a bad world. I mean, and that's exactly what this guy was doing because in their divorce proceedings. Um, there, there is evidence from his co-workers that he was constantly visiting prostitutes uh, in the South while his wife was up in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she filed for divorce saying he was, quote, a man of violent and ungovernable temper. So, again, behind closed doors, yeah. kind of a piece of shit. Um, and he was also being a piece of shit in other ways during this whole time. Um, because as the divorce proceedings are happening, he gets arrested in May for altering checks. Um, and then he gets charged with uh, fraud because I said he was working at a lumber company, right? Yeah. So what he was doing was he was buying lumber on credit and then selling it at like an incredibly deep discount and then just not paying his creditors. <laughs> hey, there you so, go. Like, he's uh, un- really not a crafty scheme. Yeah, no, just... no, not a crafty scheme. Also, he's like um, Uncle Adams, the Canadian motivational rapper who would mm-hmm. buy TVs on credit and sell them to the pawn shops to fund his studio time. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's That's a, what this guy is doing, but instead of studio time, it's prostitute. <laughs> Which, honestly, way cooler than like, buying studio time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if you, if you heard about Uncle Adams, he's going to be like, oh, you're spending that to rap? Oh, I was blowing it all on whores. I, I can't relate to you. <laughs> We're not the same. Um, yeah, so they're, like, looking for him. His warrants are issued for his arrest. Uh, he is charged again with mail fraud, our favorite crime. Ding, ding, ding. Um, uh, another lumber company that he sold this to filed lawsuits against him. Um, so naturally, he does what you could do in those days. He just fucking leaves. Yeah. He just leaves town. <laughs> Man, what a time to be alive. Yeah, just grow a mustache <laughs> and move to a different state and do it all over again. And people will be like, wow, your suits are really well done. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you money. <laughs> I have to trust this man. His jacket matches his pants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so by, by 1908, he, he was in D.C. That's where he went after all this. He went to Washington, D.C. Um and he uh, was ready to kind of turn over a new leaf so he stopped going by his first name Oliver and started going by his middle name Napoleon and he would since be Napoleon Hill forevermore uh, fresh start, just gonna get a fresh start just gonna change my name and move to a different city you know, just fresh start, this is my mental health I'm worried about here right, yeah. for self care reasons <laughs> yeah, yeah, for self care reasons, I will be altering my appearance and going under an assumed name right, it is a wonderful act of self-care to avoid going to jail (laughs) that's the greatest love of all honestly so according to the official biography of napoleon hill he met andrew carnegie in 1908 in dc andrew carnegie was i think the richest man at the time he was definitely up there yeah um he's a steel i believe right he's a a steel uh, entrepreneur so like yeah one of the last sort of like big monopolist titans of industry type guys and according to napoleon he met carnegie and uh was tasked with sort of writing down the secrets to his success like he was interviewing andrew carnegie about like what makes you so good at having money (laughs) we need we need to share this knowledge uh with the world so he uh, would lay, and, and so he says that this happened in 1908, um, but he didn't start to claim that this happened in 1908 until Carnegie had already died in 1919. So he starts saying this in the 20s, like, oh yeah, 15 years ago I met with Andrew Carnegie and I have a whole book detailing our conversations. Uh, we should 
publish it. Yeah. And and this is after his success of uh, Think and Grow Rich. Like after that, he's like, oh, by the way, I also met Andrew Carnegie. I didn't tell y'all about that. I didn't tell y'all so, about when I saw Andrew Carnegie. Like I swear, man, he told me everything. <laughs> yeah, that's like exactly what it is. Um. And according to Hill, Carnegie would later introduce him to the most powerful businessmen in the country for interviews about what made them so successful. Napoleon, and this is this is a common thing in his tel- his tall tales that I think is very funny. Um, he said that he wouldn't take money for this. He would simply learn how to be successful. So he's the guy <laughs> who's not taking the money. He's taking the dinner with yeah, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> he's like oh, the yeah. originator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what I want today, yeah, what I want, uh, 11 million in war bonds, or I want a parchment informing me on how to make 11 million. Like, I would take, <laughs> I shall take the parchment. Also, I, I do love, even if, like, obviously he didn't interview these guys, but, like, even if you do interview these dudes, at some point when somebody's that rich, I feel like their advice isn't really practical or applicable. Because right. that, that's when their shit's going to be all, it's like, the advice you get from them is going to be all about positive thinking and mindset because they've been rich for so fucking long they don't think about like the, right the practical it's the thing. confirmation bias of like well this is how i see myself yeah yeah and yeah. i have this and also like this is what i did and got this it's like okay well we're not talking to all the people who did that and didn't get this yeah like, yeah <laughs> yeah the one guy it worked out for right and then also yeah people just sort of tend to overestimate their own uh you know skill and prowess and how much of it is people people overestimate how much of it is under their control yeah, I, 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 I do it all the time i'm constantly disappointed in my own esteem you know <laughs> <laughs> misplaced pride left and right <laughs> so um yeah so he then says he met all these other people um none of there is no evidence of any of this uh surprise surprise like andrew carnegie's biographers are like yeah this we can't find any evidence that this ever happened um but let me tell you about what he was actually doing in D.C. because this is going to also become a pattern in his life. Um, he uh, starts a college. He founds a college called the Automobile College of Washington. And he <laughs> takes out ads in newspapers saying that you can go through my training program, my six-week training program, and you can become uh, an expert in assembling automobiles. Because this is like right at the beginning of cars, yeah. right? And everybody everybody wants a car. It's a boom market, you know? Um, so he says, like, come take my course. You'll learn how to do this. And then you can earn anywhere from $75 to $200 per week, which is about, um, you know, like $1,000 to $5,000 a week. Like, wow. not bad. Yeah, yeah, not so, yeah, yeah, Come be a car. So, yeah, um, that was what he did. Cars. He enrolled people in this college. Yeah. Um, but guess what he was actually doing guess what this actually was uh i'm gonna say okay yeah it's a for-profit school scam i got nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. it is it is but it is in a very interesting way what he's actually doing here is he's getting people to build these cars for free oh. so he has a contract <laughs> he has a contract with a company called the carter motor corporation yeah uh to build cars for them and then he gets people to pay him to build the cars oh that is that's incredible that, yeah. <laughs> it's a good scheme right? that is a real good scheme that's like that's like a guy who goes that's like, I, this happened in my band uh, this dude who was going to a recording school in Austin and he was like yeah I'll record y'all's demo for 200 bucks and then we found mm-hmm. out that he had to record a demo for his like his final right his <laughs> yeah. class that he was paying for yeah yeah wow that That's that is damn I kind of hats off on that that is pretty crazy yeah come on here. I'll teach you all about it you can learn how to do this and and actually well he's fulfilling his contract that's that's the next level shit here's the problem though is the Carter Car Company went out of business the next year probably because random people were building their cars yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> but uh, the Carter Car Company goes out of business like two years into this scheme, and uh, he basically retools it to now be about selling cars. So now he's like, "Come to my thing, and I'll teach you how to sell cars." Um, and this becomes ultimately a multi-level marketing scheme because he would um, pay. He'd say, "Hey, if you bring more students to me, uh, and and like people buy cars for me and start in my program." 
you can get three dollars per person. <laughs> and they're selling the fucked so, up cars they built. They're like, I'll yeah. teach you how to sell this. Sure, the tire is the steering wheel, and the steering wheel is the tire, and the engine's in the passenger seat. But I'll teach you how to sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, you know, you could sell it to anybody with my patented skills. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he then like moves into this field of like teaching people success and things like that, which I think the car salesman is sort of the first iteration of this like tendency for him yeah um just so a used, it, not even a used car but a car, a car dealer it was almost like he started the trend of these guys being full of shit yeah i mean he realized <laughs> pretty early i guess that this was a good outlet for people who are full of shit um <laughs> he doesn't stay in the car world though but he does stay in the like i'm gonna teach you the skills you need blah 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 yeah um so at this point he is he is remarried he's on his third marriage um this is the one whose family was wealthy. And um, this is just a weird anecdote that I, I thought really said a lot about this guy. Um, so his wife, he has like a couple kids with each of these wives. Um, this one, they had a, a baby who was deaf. And Napoleon was determined to teach him to hear. Like, <laughs> wouldn't let him learn sign language, wouldn't send him to a school for the deaf, was just like... We're going to teach this kid yeah. how to hear. Yeah. Like. God is my witness. I will irreparably damage this child. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, it just like, it just reminds me of the whole like, like Elizabeth Holmes saying that she designed a, a working time machine when she was a kid or whatever. Where oh, it's like, yeah. you're missing the like fundamental part of this that makes it effective. I feel like that's what he's doing when he's like, I'm going to teach this kid to hear. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he literally is like missing the architecture in his ears. Yeah, like, yeah. He can't, he, he, you know. He can't do it. There's no, no amount of ingenuity or gumption is going to make this right. kid start hearing. Like it's biologically exactly. impossible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that was like very telling of his character. Um, spoiler alert, the kid does not learn to hear. Damn. That does not happen. Yeah. Well, you know, technology wasn't where it is now. Where <laughs> <laughs> you can now teach people to mimic body parts that don't exist inside them. <laughs> so after this, uh, he go he moves to Chicago. Um, he does a couple different jobs. Uh, he for a while he owned a candy store, uh, but his business partners pushed him out of it. And I think it was probably because he was a fucking scammer. Yeah, like I think yeah. they realized. <laughs> Uh, that this guy was full of shit, so he he gets out of that. This guy's um, eating all the licorice. <laughs> yeah, like there's 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 two ways to get like like bullied out of a candy company partnership. One of them is for just being a bad business partner and a total scammer, and the other one is for eating all the candy. <laughs> eating all the candy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I mean, we've seen his schemes have not been super crafty so far, except the car one. So maybe he was just eating all the candy. Yeah, I, I wonder um, how many. Uh, uh, who's the dude? Uh, the, yeah, the Hershey chocolate guy. I, I just wonder James Hershey or whatever. I wonder how many like fat business partners he's had to banish from the factory. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot come to the factory. You just work off site. Yeah, like oh, this is this is mud. I fell in mud. It's mud all over my fingers and hands. <laughs> I. I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm insulted at the inference. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Um, well, after he has the candy store, um, he goes back to his tried and true uh, starting an unaccredited school. That's his favorite. Uh, he moves. So he'll move later. He starts on. A, he starts magazines. That's a big thing that he does. Um, but right now it's schools. And he, he does keep up some form of this for quite a bit of his uh, scamming life um so this one in chicago is called the george washington institute and uh in sort of prescient of his later success um this is a school to quote teach the principles of success and self-confidence um so that it's it's another one of these like come to my courses and we'll teach you how to yeah. it's like scientology yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah very much yeah like it's not like i'm not gonna teach you any kind of marketable skill we teach you this intangible idea of you know like of success oh, yeah 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 i'm gonna teach you all the things of why you're not succeeding and how you can overcome those things right. and uh yeah th that is an easy thing to sell to some people yeah and uh he he does it well for a little while but it it falls apart pretty quickly um it's again because it's an unaccredited school some of his students accused him of fraud um apparently one student uh who went to the authorities about him uh, and, and this fraud 
uh, Hill uh, alerted the FBI of his quote suspicious activities because he was German American and it was during World War One, <laughs> and apparently he got the kid arrested. Oh so, no! Real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you can believe what this wiener schnitzel munching <laughs> guy's gonna say about me. Also, you know, at the end of the day, he gave that kid the confidence to go to the police. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should be thanking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 kid uh, would not have had the confidence to do that had it not been for that. Uh, glorified correspondence scores. So what this school was and what his subsequent magazines will be uh, is technically like a stock selling scam. So um, as we said, he sort of, he did some sort of multi-level marketing type stuff uh, in the past. These schools really like hone that. So what it is, is like, you know, you can go to the school and you can take classes and he'll take your money for that. But he would really encourage his students to buy into the business um, so he said, he told people that the school had a capital valuation of $100,000 and there were 10,000 shares. Uh, he was holding 51% and then selling the rest to investors, which are mostly his students. Yeah. Um, the only problem with this is that the valuation was totally made up. Like of he course. just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like how he sort of makes his money at all of these other sort of business, tangential businesses until he writes the book. So again, just like, totally full of shit just ripping people off going from town to town he he did this once with prisoners which i thought was extra shitty where he would um he started a, a school to like teach to basically like rehabilitate prisoners and he would go make this pitch at like churches and stuff and be like you should give to my you should invest in my program because it's like good for you know i'm like doing humanitarian work basically and he would spin a yarn and he would get all these people to like feel like they were doing good uh, and then he would just take all the money, just take all the money, not do anything for the prisoners. And um, uh, the chaplain of one of these prisons accused him of this publicly. It was like, hey, they're not, this is bullshit. They're not giving us any money. And Napoleon Hill turned around and blamed the chaplain and said the chaplain was stealing it, which, <laughs> love that reverse psychology. Yeah, yeah. Very good. The chaplain, I'm stealing other shit, okay? Like, I'm, not, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm stealing something else, man. It's something you're stealing here. Also, I just keep looking at the, the title of this book. I just keep thinking, think, think and grow rich or die trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, that was what he did. And yeah. it, it kind of worked for a while. Um, so, of course, again, in Napoleon Hill's official biography, they can't put all of this stuff because yeah. people love this guy. You know, yeah. like people, people love his book. They want to think he's an upstanding member of society. Um, so what H Napoleon Hill would claim he was doing at this time you know, after he met Andrew Carnegie and all that stuff. Uh, he says he was approached by Woodrow Wilson to help with the war effort. So <laughs> really me. just going big yeah, yeah, with yeah. his lies. Get me Napoleon Hill. I need him in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. He's um, just like, he's like Forrest Gumping himself through like the first half yes. of the 20th century. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's, he has like Forrest Gump disease where he has to say he was involved in all this fancy stuff. Um, <laughs> My favorite one comes later where he says uh, FDR again taps him for help uh, during the Second World War and that he originated the line, uh, we, we have no fear but fear itself, or there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Or whatever. He said he came up with that. <laughs> like I said it in front of FDR. He hopped right up that chair, ran over and grabbed a pin last time he ever walked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was, he had to write that down. It was, a big, it was big news for him. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and the thing that the thing that he always says about this, about the stuff with the president, stuff with the famous people, he always makes a big deal. He said, I didn't take any money for that. I like yeah. I was doing it for the good of my country or like I was doing it to learn the secrets of success. I never got paid for these. Things. <laughs> it's just like a weird yeah. detail. To dinner with Jay-Z, man, all the way through. Exactly. Yeah, I guess you're right. He's just doing dinner with Jay-Z psychology. Yeah, because um, I didn't need to take money from these people because I was stealing it from regular people. Also, right. these things didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. 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 I didn't take uh, a single cent for that thing that didn't actually happen. Because they did not yeah, call yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's the truest thing he's ever said. I didn't get paid for any of this. <laughs> So what he was actually doing at this time uh, was he switched from colleges to these magazines. Um, his his newest one, the the one that happens that he sets up uh, around this time, is called Hill's Golden Rule. Um, 
you know, he's Napoleon Hill. It's so it's he's putting yeah. his name right in the right in the title. Um, the author of this Gizmodo Hill's golden piece. rule of business that I learned from all these other people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> so, uh, the the art the author of this Gizmodo piece uh, I think sums it up really well. He says Hill's understanding of the golden rule meant that people would become indebted to you for providing something to them. It was a wep- weapon. Rather than do unto others as you would have them do unto you, he believed that by providing something to someone or simply showing them kindness, they owed you something in return. So yeah. basically the opposite of what the yeah, government yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> do unto others as you would expect them to do, do unto, unto others you. As, <laughs> do unto others as you would like them to be indebted to you. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the guy who books you on a show, and then you show up at the show, and he's like, hey, you still booked that one thing? And you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you booked you on this to get you onto that. All right, which, I mean, everybody's yep. done it's, it's one way or another at some point in their career. Um, so he, he then figures out, like, the reason he switches to magazines is because it's easier to do publicity, which is something that he is very good at. So um, he basically, like, a lot of this magazine, this Hill's Golden Rule was presenting people with awards for their demonstration of the golden rule. And this was a really easy way to get publicity in other publications. And it was also a way for him to try to meet these famous people that he wanted to meet. Um, so there's a lot of like contemporary coverage uh, of like him giving various people uh, awards for, for their demonstration of the golden rule. Um, and the one time, this is the one time that he actually met someone famous that there is evidence of. Yeah. There is evidence. There is a photo of him standing with Thomas Edison. And he is presenting Thomas Edison with the Golden Rule. Oh, the Golden Rule. Thomas Edison, the guy who stole all this shit anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why Napoleon was like, I like your style. Yeah. You're a shark. <laughs> So apparently, and again, he always claimed that he interviewed this guy and that they were like colleagues and all this stuff. Um, but apparently Edison just uh, promptly returned the medal. Yeah. He was like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so by 1928, Hill had to move again because he just kept pissing people off everywhere he went with all of his <sighs> schemes. Uh, so he goes to Philadelphia, which does seem like a good place to go if you've burned a lot of other bridges. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> Philadelphia just seems like a haven for yeah. people who don't have other places to go. I love that place. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful when you're there, though, because they only have one bridge to burn. It's the George Washington Bridge, and you gotta... <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're done there, you're done. It's the last bridge. It's out, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a big problem for him. He moved to He moved to Philly, and at this point he's, you know, penned his philosophies that he's honed at these various magazines and and colleges and things like that he has put it all in a book called the law of success it's an eight volume work and (laughs) he moves to philadelphia and he wants to get this published this is his next thing he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna get my philosophy out there you know hell yeah that's what we need we need more people thinking like this guy (laughs) yeah um so he eventually gets hooked up with this guy andrew pelton who is a publisher of a lot of this new thought movement literature. So the stuff I was talking about at the beginning. Yeah. Um, this guy this guy is sort of the originator of a lot of a lot of books that are frankly pretty similar to, to Napoleon Hill's. Um, but at the time, Napoleon was totally broke. So uh, he put on a ruse uh, to make him see to to convince this guy Andrew Pelton that he actually was like a successful guy because this whole thing is about how successful he is. Yeah, he's gonna look yeah. successful. <laughs> um, like so, the guy, like the, that's the motivational speaker. It's like gets dropped off by his friend to the convention. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what's happening. Here. Yeah, yeah. So, th- so this is at this time again. He's married to the wife with the with the wealthy family. So um, he borrowed money from his brother-in-law and rented a big suite in a fancy hotel and then invited Pelton to the hotel and like put (laughs) on the show being very, uh, you know, very wealthy and successful and well-connected. And it totally worked. Um, If I were not successful, why would I be in this hotel? (laughs) Exactly. They would throw me out. Yeah. They would would smell it on me and throw me out of here. (laughs) So, uh, Pelton agrees to publish this book, 
and it actually does pretty well. It, this is like again the first kind of semi honest money that this guy has actually made. Um, and what does he do now that he is doesn't have to pretend to be rich and actually is rich? Uh, he spends all of it fucking immediately. Hell yeah. He- Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing like a guy who didn't deserve to have it in the first place, you know? <laughs> right, writing this, like, total bullshit uh, book that people bought into in 1928. Um, so he, he buys a Rolls Royce. He buys uh, a huge uh, estate in the Catskills. Um, and this, again, like, even though he has money, he can't stop scamming. Because <laughs> instead of buying a house that he can afford... He instead buys this giant mansion and gets a bunch of people to invest in it with him and says, I'm going to turn this into a success school. That's what I'm going to do. Jesus Christ. How do you mean? Don't invest in your buddy's house. Yeah. I'm getting a new house, man. Oh, cool. Hey, you want it on the ground floor? Like, I didn't even know that was an opportunity. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Sign me a check. You can get it on the ground floor, but you can't get into the ground floor because it's my house. You don't live here. And nobody's nobody's allowed in. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Pay my rent for me and see if your life does not get exponentially better. So, you know, they had this they had this plan to turn it into this school. But this is 1928, and that's a bad time to be uh, making plans. Because uh, yeah. depression hits. <laughs> bad time to, just be, to be. Bad time yeah. to be around. And so the depression hits, and uh, their big fancy house gets foreclosed on. And they're basically back to being broke again. Yeah. Um, he's, I and he's back like to that, all though. his... Guys like that, I think, like, like, like the typical pandemic, it's like when there's a worldwide problem you know it kind of gives you a little bit of breathing room you're like hey i got an excuse for why every one of my things doesn't fucking work out at least for two or three Mm. years yeah that's true that's true you don't have to keep up the appearance quite as much yeah um but he i mean he just goes back to the life he knew he was seeking investors in all of these fake corporations and these fake stock selling schemes all these magazines and you know um all, all these things that are basically just an opportunity to get people to give him money um again this is the time that he says he starts working for FDR. That's in when he, when he goes through his life retrospectively, he doesn't say, "Yeah, I was broke and ripping people off." He says, "I was working for FDR." In the yeah, this, was, this is when I moved out of the private sector and, and, and decided to serve my country for a while. Right. Uh, well, what actually happened during this time is that his wife, and thus his source of funding, because she came <laughs> from a good family, she divorced him. She's fucking done with this shit. Hell yeah. Um, so he's now broke and alone. Um, but as always, he's now on wife number four. He meets this woman, Rosalie, and, uh, gets married. And then he starts working on Think and Grow Rich, which is the thing he is the most famous for. Yeah. So he had like a successful book, spent all the money, and then he gets incredibly a second chance with this new book, which is wild. Um, (laughs) also people, people, dudes could just get married like all this like serial killer documentaries and like yeah he was married I'm like, how, the, how the hell did these guys pull this shit off back then i think it was because financial stability for a lot of women depended on them getting married back then yeah but i think very- like the key to understanding this is that like women couldn't have a bank account until the 70s like yeah. that's that's why these guys could be married <laughs> yeah, boy that was a time to shine baby <laughs> <laughs> really women put up with so much shit like, it is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, guys like this can just be like, oh, fuck, I, I better go find another wife real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is, like, I, I think, I mean, obviously by the time, like, our parents were getting married, there was, like, a little more wiggle room and stuff. But, like, that when people talk about, like, how marriage rates are going down and stuff, it's, like, it's because, like, no one has to put up with men being shitty anymore. <laughs> like, there's, yeah, no, yeah, no, there's no incentive to it, but men yeah. haven't, like, <laughs> caught up and stopped being shitty yet. Like, yeah. a lot of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. still act like uh, they have, like, they are a big prize because they're going to do something for a woman. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think that's true, man. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I'm going to get up every morning and I won't hit you. And... Right, exactly. <laughs> I won't hit you. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ladies. You know? <laughs> But uh, Rosalie, like she, she is a power player in herself. She is, uh, she's a canny lady, which we'll get into. But um, so Napoleon, at this time, he's totally broke. But he convinces this woman to marry her, marry him, 
And they move in to uh, an apartment in New York with the only son of Napoleon's that still talks to him. All of his other <laughs> children have cut him out of their lives. This is the last one. Uh, and that one kid who just can't talk to him. <laughs> this is like, yeah, you didn't teach me how to talk, Dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. This was not the deaf kid. Um, so... They live in this apartment in Hell's Kitchen. It's like this tiny little apartment. They're super crowded. Uh, Napoleon is reportedly just being an absolute dick to his uh, son's <laughs> wife. Just total asshole. Um, but they're working on this book, and Rosalie ends up being his editor. And uh, it seems like it is as much a product of her work as his, because um, they had to do all these rewrites. He's still working with this publisher, um, Paul Andrew Pelton. And uh, so Pelton is saying, like, you got to rewrite this, you got to rewrite this. And Rosalie is doing most of the rewriting. Oh, uh, um, okay. Like, man, we know, like, Napoleon, we've looked a lot of your transcripts, and it's come to us that you are stupid. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. You're well, it is. The, the Gizmodo guy. article does, like, make a point of being, like, he is not a good writer. Yeah. Like, he's really not a good writer. <laughs> you have money, me want bad now. <laughs> like, that old, yeah. <laughs> always sunny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, the book finally gets published in 1937 and it does really well. I mean, again, like these are people who are coming out of the depression. Yeah. Um, they want to hear some good news. They want to be yeah. hopeful. Uh, yeah. and it, I've been doing all this thinking. I might as well use it to help me grow rich. Right. I mean, there's a reason all this stuff sells better than like. It turns out your uh, chances of becoming wealthy are increasingly slim. Like yeah. that's not <laughs> that kind of book is not going to be as popular as like Tony Robbins or something. Yeah, right? yeah. You want to die richer than, than than how you were born? You might want to move to another country. Like, right. That's, yeah, that's a hard sell. But it's you know it's aspirational and people were people were primed for it and of course he learned nothing from the first time he made money and spent all of it again nice so. hell yeah learn nothing just yeah. <laughs> double down on who you are never improve yeah they bought an, a huge mansion in florida rosalie is also balling out like they're just yeah. they're going nuts hell um yeah. so yeah and they were getting incredible royalty checks from think and grow rich um so this becomes super popular uh i mean we still know about it today yeah. it's you know it was it was really really popular and they're actually like this it got so popular that somebody formed a cult around it which is what i'm gonna tell Whoa. you about this <laughs> hell yeah yeah so um and this was again like i feel like there was just a lot of stuff like this back then although this is a little later than most of the other cults but uh so uh, there's this group called the Royal Fraternity of the Master Metaphysicians, which uh, is founded by this guy, James Schaefer. And uh, in the mid thirties, this guy would like basically preach at Carnegie Hall to like hundreds of people um, about the power of the human mind and the ability of the human mind to sort of transfigure the material world. You know, like thoughts can become real, yeah. which is, you know, a big part of Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, yeah. So, well, didn't, like, The Secret literally, like, they positioned that shit as, like, a magical tool, almost. Yes. Like, I, I remember, like, I saw one, like, like a bit of the DVD, and it was just, like, like you know, ancient lords knew this t knew this tool, and, like, they passed this secret among, uh, it, it showed people, like, running it out of the back of the temple before it got invaded, like, the Knights Templar and shit. And it was just, <laughs> yeah, and it was, like, basically just, hey, think positive, and it, it was uh, presented as almost, like, magic. So I could see how yeah. that could lend itself to cult thinking. Yeah, and, like, a lot of people just say th The Secret is just a repackaged, sort of modern, feminized version of Think and Grow Rich. Like, it's, it's the core of it is pretty similar. Yeah. Um, so the master metaphysicians, this guy was, uh, it's mostly forgotten today, but this guy was pretty popular in his heyday. Like, he had, he had what they estimate almost 10,000 people uh, who considered themselves followers of his. So, um, was they... He, was he blue-checked? He was blue check. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> like like pre Elon blue check. Wow. Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, they the year after uh, Think and Grow Rich comes out, they buy this big mansion on Long Island where like a bunch of them sort of live in a community, and they say um, they are going to prove their philosophy by raising an immortal person. They're going to make someone immortal, and the way that you do this, according to them, is 
to expose this person only to positive thoughts um, and uh, eat a strict vegetarian diet. That was another <laughs> thing that was part of their thing. Positive so, thoughts and lentils. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that that was the key to immortality. And they basically said, like, anyone can be immortal if you think hard enough about it. But we're all sort of tainted because we discovered this in later in life when like our me- metabolic damage has already been done. We were so we're gonna start with a baby. Kid. Yeah, Ugh. don't let them get yeah. their hands on a baby. Yeah, and they did. Unfortunately, <coughs> they got their hands on a baby. They were cheap back um, then. <laughs> they were. Yeah, yeah, Price of babies a, was yeah, at an all-time low. Yeah, yeah. Coming out of the depression, you can get a baby for, <laughs> for an obscenely low amount of money. I'll say that. <laughs> so. They get this baby and they say, we're going to make her immortal. She's five months old um, and she's a child of one of the followers. And they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to make her immortal. Um, So at this time, they regard Think and Grow Rich as basically a holy book. Like they uh, name Napoleon Hill the godfather to this immortal baby because they like think of him as like a prophet. So did he know about this? He did. He went and visited them uh, for the baby's first birthday. So he knew about this. He condoned it. He wasn't like in the cult, in the cult, but he was like, hey, cool. Like, sure. (laughs) By their logic, wouldn't one negative thought fuck this whole thing up? Yeah, which I'm sure is what they would say (laughs) if the person died. You know, oh, I guess they thought something negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all you had to do was like our furniture or whatever it was. All you needed to do was not want to eat a hamburger. (laughs) Um, But of course, the cult itself was also a scam. Um, What? Where do I put my faith (laughs) now? I'm all, I'm all backwards. Yeah. Sad to say, sadly. Uh, this is a very funny anecdote. So Schaefer, the guy who ran this place, he was also selling stock. Uh, they all were selling stock. They were all looking for investors and shit. Um, but this is very funny to me. So uh, this was like kind of a trendy thing at the time. So like rich people and celebrities would come visit them at this commune that they were living on. And uh, weirdly enough, their fancy jewelry would go missing <laughs> at this place. And uh, one woman reportedly lost two rings worth somewhere around $5,000. When the woman told Schaefer, he supposedly replied, quote, nothing is lost in the infinite. You can think them back in your experience. So <laughs> just imagine I didn't steal your rings. And then <laughs> I want you to manifest a world where the ring is still on your finger and I will manifest a ride to the pawn shop. And that's where I will be. <laughs> That's great. Exactly. I, I We're love all on our own journeys with our thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a level of full of shit that really amuses me. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, so the, the mother of this baby, uh, she, after like a year, she's like, hold on. I think I want my baby back. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, 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 I want my baby back, baby back. You got her. I had, yeah, I she said that. Sorry, she said that. She was beat it by 80 years or whatever. Have you ever seen the video of them recording that? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she decides she wants her baby back. Baby back, baby back. And um, that kind of ends that. So uh, that's just like a weird aside that these people had this. this yeah interaction with this cult um he's giving the baby back like hey, man, you're gonna mess this whole thing up but all right here here have the baby gonna live <laughs> good forever. luck with your negative thoughts yeah yeah <laughs> so um yeah they're like living high on the hog for a while rosalie and napoleon uh they're you know they have this god god child that's gonna be immortal very cool um <laughs> got a lot rosalie <laughs> rosalie writes her own book uh after this called how to attract men and money which is pretty great good title <laughs> yeah, yeah. the ye old cardi b album <laughs> yeah she is like very cardi b because the big tenet in this book is that like it's fine to marry for money like yeah it's cool to marry for money and also like it's cool to uh try to manipulate your husband into making more money like, that's cool i neither um, cook nor clean but let me tell you how I got this ring. Exactly. <laughs> that could be the subtitle of her book, for sure. Um, but so she writes this book, and it comes out. And um, as it's coming out, she uh, gets a divorce from Napoleon. She's out. Um, <laughs> Once the checks start rolling in. <laughs> like, yep. 
Yeah, I exactly. Love, I, and yeah. this is what I mean about her being like an operator. Like yeah, she, yeah. She knew what was up because back when they wrote Think and Grow Rich, they put all of the royalties into her name. And the reason they did this was it, it was a strategy to prevent people who Napoleon had conned from coming for for coming for his money. Oh, so, yeah, she saw it, man. She she yeah. she was clocking that two moves ahead. She yep. was like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Rosa, oh, get him, Rosa, Rosa suspects him of cheating on her. So she just leaves him with nothing because all of the royalties are in her name. So oh. she's just like, "Fuck you." <laughs> That is that is tight because like yeah no sympathy for this guy whatsoever fuck him and it was like yeah you done you done bit off more you can chew think you got this right. badass girl in your life and it's like yeah well she's bad for a reason dog you know like, like that's, right yeah, yeah 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 you see you see her making these moves you think it could never be you and now it's you that's tough exactly so she was very canny about it um, and he got fucked he like had nothing um, but guess what. He got married again. Boom. So <laughs> Still a hit with the ladies, this guy, somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so at this point, like, he kind of he, he kind of goes downhill. So uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> he writes another book. It flops. Uh, How to Attract Men and Money, by the way, also didn't do very well. But it didn't need to because she has all the royalties for Think and Grow Rich now. So yeah. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So he like yeah he writes this book called Mental Dynamite which doesn't do well but he he Mental Dynamite he's like yeah it's not a good that's name. a hot ass title yeah man. how did that not do good holy shit <laughs> I know it's gonna blow your mind yeah <laughs> just, that's, that's that's a mixtape <laughs> yeah totally yeah Mental Dynamite in stores now so he claimed that Gandhi liked Mental Dynamite like he's just like very. <laughs> He's very like Trumpy in his name dropping. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just loves to yeah, and this is sort of around the time where he starts claiming he's had interactions with all these famous people. Like uh during the forties, that's when like his book that supposedly uh his conversations with Andrew Carnegie comes out. Like he he just sort of tours around doing motivational speaking and uh, setting up more like yeah. scammy magazines and stuff. <laughs> I love the um, idea that Gandhi reads a self help book. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just like I feel, hey, or that he reads a self help book from a guy who like his last book was called Think and Grow Rich. Like, is that, you know, that's all right. Very Gandhi's much like, I need to figure out how to get rich. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah G- Gandhi was an entrepreneur. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this guy, like, he ended up influencing a lot of stuff. Like, um, like I said, the power of positive thinking. Um, he the thing he did that was very smart that I think is probably the reason we know about him today uh, and that this wasn't just a popular thing in the 30s and has endured is because he uh, one of his many scams that he came up with was a charity. Um, So he set up the nonprofit Napoleon Hill Foundation uh, in 1963 and they've been around since then and sort of like keep his legacy alive you know like wow. again they, mostly with all of this bullshit yeah like, what, what, like like who are their the recipients of their their foundation's charity like who are they, what do they what do they do i think they just like publish his books and stuff i don't <laughs> i think it's just like a non-profit publishing press mostly yeah. <laughs> um, i had yeah. an idea to make the most hated non-profit organization in the world is like you start a nonprofit organization that through a grant from the city gives Bluetooth speakers to people on the bus. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we want everyone to hear and be a young boy YouTube playlists. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of our city's unjuvenation program. <laughs> we want to make it worse. Yeah, we want to drive wanna... down property values. <laughs> we just want to fuck everything up. <laughs> uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I will de-gentrify Austin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my plan. I will de-gentrify the city. I just need tens of thousands of dollars to buy hundreds of Bluetooth speakers and just distribute <laughs> them to our the unhomed, the unhoused population of the city. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this guy he he dies in 1970. Um, the Napoleon Hill Foundation is still around. They publish his books. Uh, there's uh, 
there's like a whole sort of subsect of his followers. There's like they're all arguing over a quote lost chapter of Think and Grow Rich. We're like oh, it's up. some unattributed thing <laughs> that like basically it was like more spiritual and esoteric and they're like it was the secret chapter. Oh yeah, like, that's why we're all still broke is that we haven't found the lost chapter. Right. We need to be sacrificing people. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. It's just the plot of hereditary. It's yeah, just yeah. they're like the secret chapter is all about King Payman, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like also like if you're trying to like uh, uh, they talk about like like cult leadership is a lot like jazz you know you just gotta be able to like keep up with it like what's going on you gotta be able to keep it spinning and the yeah. idea that if you can perpetuate the myth that there like is a even though he's long dead now but if you can perpetuate the myth that there's this like lost book of his out there it like until that's quote unquote found or resolved it's how you can just explain away all the failings of his previous material right exactly yeah. that's it's that's always helpful there's always gotta be some yeah. secret <laughs> Gnostic thing yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like ba- that's basically the story of Napoleon Hill. Uh, people still read Think and Grow Rich. He still has followers, um, and and he has. If you count the things that were influenced by him and his sort of power positive thinking thing, it's super popular to to buy into this stuff. And uh, yeah, he was sort of an OG scammer. Wow, um, yeah, like a like a like a proto Tony Robbins type. Uh, yeah, but like even shadier. Yeah, you know? pro, yeah, proto, yeah, proto Prager U, proto Tony Robbins, proto like all these. Uh, wow, yeah, that's uh, he's, he's like a, like a like like old school Jordan Peterson. There's so many. There's so right, many, he's like, like an early scammers. success mindset guy. Yeah, know? yeah, damn man, yeah, the blueprint man. He wrote it. And that's great. Yeah, and it, it's wild how like I feel. I really so I remember growing up in the '90s and the 2000s. Obviously, there were people who were susceptible to self-help books, but the general tone, I think, in like in like popular culture was like, aren't these like self-help book things kind of stupid? You know, even like to take like yeah, a, it was like, fringy. It was yeah, wacky. Even like a lot of like to take like a '90s stand-up comedy viewpoint. It's like you see like George Carlin. If you needed help, if you, if you did it yourself, you didn't need help. You know, but it was right. like kind of openly ridiculed and known to be like the realm of the, uh, the the mentally weak and now it's like I feel because like like economic times are so much tighter that you can, you this act has come back in a very big way and right I, th- I think I th- it's interesting that this like first started during the depression right yeah. and you can see like as times get sort of more dire for people these same principles are coming up again and 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 appealing to people and really hooking people uh, because we none of us have any fucking money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, if you guys got out there, listeners, if you got a scam cooking, man, strike while the iron's hot. Now's the time. Everyone's desperate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah pull the trigger on whatever nefarious scheme you had in, in the chamber. <laughs> uh, worth it? It seems like he suffered no consequences for his actions. Yeah, he, not he, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless he was, I, it doesn't seem like he was too broken up about all his failed marriages. So. I was going to say, yeah, that, that, those only count as failures if you like like the people you're married to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seemed like a real asshole, but I think it all kind of worked out for him. Yeah, kind of We're talking out for about him. him today, so yeah. worth it. Worth yeah, it. yeah, totally worth it, guys. Unfortunately, you can become like a a success like motivational speaker guy. It doesn't seem like a bad grift. Not a bad grift at all, and it's so funny how that's like. Because, you know, the, the, the very idea of being a motivational speaker is that you have your shit together and you will explain to people how they can, too. And mm. it's like, but everybody has to start somewhere. And the idea of, like, I mean, like, Little Miss Sunshine, the dad, Greg Kinnear, Little Miss Sunshine, yep. was a wannabe motivational speaker. And, like, I just think it's such, such a funny world that, uh, but, yeah, if you can break into it, if you can get in, uh, you can really make some money. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> worth it. And it seems like as long as you don't give a shit about your fellow human being, the consequences right. are, are close to nil. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Jake, Kath, thank you so much for uh, for telling us that story. Uh, you got anything coming up? You want the? Uh, you gonna be anywhere for uh, coming up? Yeah, I, this is gonna come out at the very end of July. Um, I, if you're in New York City uh, on Sunday, July 31st, I think this will probably be out like that day. Uh, I'm performing at the Sultan Room in Bushwick. If you should really come to that, I would really appreciate it. I'm gonna be in Chicago August 2nd through the 6th. I will have dates for that um, on my social media at nice. Kath Barbadoro. Yeah, that's right. all. Thank that's you so much. Up. Yeah, guys, if you guys are, you uh, I'm going to be 
uh, opening for Slade Ham at the uh, at the Bastrop Comedy Club in uh, Bastrop, Texas, in Film Alley. They built a whole little dedicated comedy club out there. So nice. stop by that. And then also Vanilla Presley is the house band at Shit's Golden. And we're going to be the, fir- the first Monday in August. I believe it's the 7th. Yeah. So Sweet. always for the 7th. Come check us out. Guys, if you like what you heard today, you can follow us online. We are on Twitter at LCS Podcast. And we're on TikTok at Live Cheat Steel Podcast. And you can also get two more episodes a month by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash Live Cheat and Steel. Uh, that being said, thank you for listening. Guys, be safe. Be smart out there. Don't get duped. Uh, make sure you're not getting tricked into any uh, uh, for-profit college scams. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time.